Welcome to the Enabled Disabled Podcast. I'm your host, Gustavo Serafini. I was born with a rare physical disability called PFFD. My journey has been about self-acceptance, persistence, and adaptation. On the show, we'll explore how people experience disability, how the stories we tell ourselves can both enable and disable, how vulnerability is the foundation for strength, and why people with disabilities can contribute more than we imagine. I hope that leaders, companies, clinicians, families, and friends will better understand our capacity to contribute to the world and help enable us to improve it. Julie Sawchuk is a best-selling author, professional speaker, and designated Rick Hansen Foundation Accessibility Certification Professional. Julie is using her experience of living with a spinal cord injury to help make buildings and homes more accessible. Julie and I talk about some of the most important lessons she learned after her injury and how important it is to just listen. We explore the importance of exercise and staying fit, how her physical therapists help her keep improving the quality of life, and why accessibility is so important for everyone's private home. Before Julie even returned from the hospital, her best friends had already installed ramps in their homes. If you're enjoying the show and want to help us be sustainable for the long run, we'd really appreciate it if you could share the podcast with one other person you think would enjoy it. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoy the episode. Julie, welcome to the show. It is so awesome to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, really excited for this conversation. Hi, Gustavo. I I am so honored and humbled to be invited to be your guest. I've been listening to all of your other episodes and man, you have some like deep thinking, active, amazing guests. So like for you to invite me is just mind blown. <laughs> Pretty cool. Like I, thank you so much. And like I told you, you're very welcome. I think you fit right in with everybody. Uh, I think you're doing some incredible work. And, you know, we, I, I saw your presentation at the Livable concert, uh, Livable event, not the concert. It was a That'd Livable be great event. if it were a concert. Can't yeah, wait to go back to a concert. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was phenomenal. Your presentation was great. I bought I bought both your books after I heard you speak, and so I think we have a lot to talk about. So let's let's jump right in. Right on. Okay. So like I I, I wanted to, we're gonna the listeners should go to your blog, which we will link to in the show notes, and we'll talk about that later. But you have written very eloquently about what happened to you, you know, and, and yeah, the accident that you were in and you're using a wheelchair now and you've done some amazing things since then. So I would encourage all of our listeners to go read that blog. What I would like to ask you with respect to that is if you were to meet somebody tomorrow who was going through, they either had just been in some type of a traumatic injury accident or, um, we're facing a new disability. What advice would you have for them based on your experience? As, as you started answering that question, I put myself beside the bed in the hospital and, and I see myself in that bed and I'm sobbing, right? So, so this person that I've just met then is sobbing and my gut reaction is to just sit there and listen to them and kind of like my stock answer when people have asked me this, you know, what would you tell somebody is it's, it gets better, but cause it does, it does get better. Um, being, being in a new situation where your life has just completely flipped upside down, inside out, 
backwards, like never in a million years do you think that that will happen. Um, It's the shittiest time that you can go through and you have no idea how you're going to get through it, what through is going to look like um, and how you could possibly be, be capable of it. Right. And it's so awful because you, you can't control your body. You have to relearn how to empty your bladder and your bowels and put on socks and, and move. And it's so hard, but it gets better. And, but the only way it gets better is if you tell yourself that you can let it get better. I don't know. It's a, it's a crazy mindset thing that I have learned so much about in these, these years, these past five, almost six years is, um, letting yourself be positive, but also cutting yourself some slack. Um, I don't know. It, I, I, like you said, I've been writing, um, and I, I, I have been writing since I was in intensive care. Um, I just had to get it out of my head and that was my therapy. Um, and I still write, but I also talk and it's just getting it out. Just so, so I would, I I go back to one of the nurses that I had when I was in rehab and the best night of sobbing that I had was with her because she just listened. And so you need to find your people who will just listen and know that it gets better. Thank you. And that's, it's, it's a profoundly empathetic answer. It's one that is so important that I think we forget is just listening Mm -hmm. and just being there for the person. And you know, consoling them or, or, you know, you find your own resilience, right? You find mm-hmm. your own, your own way through it. I was born with my disability. So my experience in that sense is very, is very different because this is all I have known. Um, so, but to hear that, to say, you know, it gets better to see, I mean, I think on your YouTube channel, um, you have some great videos showing like working out and one of your blog posts is like, you're going to get stronger. And just to see that side and showing that side mm-hmm. is, is really, it's, it's, it's up, it's inspirational in the best sense of that word. It, like it, it motivates me to also want to get stronger, want to get better, to keep pushing myself to know that there's more, there's more there that's untapped potential inside of us. And I'm really proud of myself when I, when I watch those videos, I I remind myself how hard I have been working um, and the difference that it's making. And it helps, it helps me keep moving forward um, with my, with my physical abilities to be stronger, to gain more core function and try new ways of doing physiotherapy and new types of exercise because um, you don't, you don't know what you're capable of unless you ask your body to do it. And that's, that's what I just keep doing me and my therapist and my group of SCI fitness women friends. We just keep asking ourselves or asking our bodies to try new things and to be stronger. And um, that helps in so many ways, like not just like, physically getting around, right? It's a, it's a big mental health thing. Um, independence, capability. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think of it, I know it's, it's not the best analogy, but there's some truth to it too. Like when you're learning something new physically, like, I don't know if you've tried playing uh, wheelchair tennis yet, but I remember when I first learned tennis or, or any new sport or any new thing, right? It was always super awkward. It took me longer to pick it up than it took most people. But then there was eventually like a, a curve that I hit where once I got it, 
I, I progressed really fast. It just took me longer to get it initially. And I had to work through that really awkward period and get comfortable with that. Yeah. I, I haven't tried wheelchair tennis. I, I mean, I have in that I have picked up a racket and I've attempted to do that thinking all the while, what am I going to do to my shoulders doing this? Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I relate to that in my core strength in, in um, getting stronger that it seemed like it, it took forever to reach this point where all of a sudden I am doing things that I wasn't able to do before. And that like, I still can't do it entirely, but that's like putting both my arms out in front of me and not falling forward. Like I, I, I would be like out to here and now I've got my arms that much closer out in front of me. Right. And it's, it's just these little incremental changes. And that's the other thing about um, putting that kind of stuff up on YouTube or on your Instagram feed or however you track your progress, right? And then you can look back and go, holy cow, I couldn't even sit up straight. And to see the, the, the strength in the shoulders that I have now compared to the strength that I had back then. And it's like, yeah, okay, it's working. I gotta keep doing it. Absolutely. How did you, how did you find, or like, how did you get comfortable with the therapists and the fitness people that you, that you started working with? Did you bond with them right away or did, was it like trial and error where you had to try different people? Um, no, it was not trial and error. It was purposeful. Um, the, the therapists that I work with, um, they were my physiotherapists before my injury, you know, when I had whatever. I, I used to call it report card shoulder because it was from mousing from writing report cards as a high school teacher. And I'd see them every once in a while and they'd fix me up. And, you know, so I knew they were great guys. And um, it has just been so amazing working with them because they are are willing to learn and and like we basically experiment on myself. Okay, let's, let's try standing this way this time. And oh, well, that didn't work very well. So, all right, we're not going to give up. Let's try it a different way. And let's get out this piece of equipment or let's strap you in with pillows and, you know, belts with clasps and you'll hold on to this thing this time and try standing that way, or we'll use this walker. And it's just been, um, it's like a problem solving thing. I, by my nature, I am a problem solving kind of brain. That's how I work. And so to work with another person who has the same um, uh, desire to problem solve, I'm just this giant puzzle that we're trying to put back together. And so, so he and I have just been doing that. We try fitting in different pieces every week when we are able to actually be together. Um, But there's a lot more to it than just the physical work, right? It's, it's just being able to be myself and be comfortable. And like, we, we have had these very emotional conversations just about life and that has been such a big part of the like the mental health um therapy part of it because it's not when you have a spinal cord injury it's not just your body right it's not just not walking it's all of this other stuff that goes on and dealing with pain and dealing with the fact that your body doesn't do what it used to be able to do and you therefore can't do the things that you used to be able to do. And you have to find that path. Um, and he's, we, we just work so well together that it's just been um, a real gift. That sounds amazing. Uh, seems like incredibly, again, just the, the empathy, the prop, the creativity, just the ability to sit there and I'm going to just listen to you and let you, get out what you need to get out to, to progress. That's, I mean, those are the moments that you, I, I see that I've had some incredible trainers and, and physical therapists as well, where it's, it's very similar. It's like, 
let's try this today and see what happens and see how your body reacts. And, you know, my right hip is fused. So I compensate with core. And so getting the core stronger is how I'm going to, how I walk better. Um, So yeah, it's, it's, it's being able to look at, you can't just say, well, this is how a body is supposed to move because that's not how, that's not how I move. That's not how, you know, that's not how you move. And to be able to work outside of that and expand is, it's beautiful. And when, when I tell you more about my, like my geographical situation, I'm in a town of a thousand people. I live outside of a town of a thousand people, right? We're a village. And so my therapist is um, 20 minutes north in a town of, I don't know, maybe 7,000. Like we're in Southwestern Ontario where it's an, a good solid drive of an hour to a city where there might be a physiotherapy clinic who has more than half a dozen people with spinal cord injuries. So the, um, the, just like the, the numbers of the, the experience of working with people with spinal cord injuries, it's just, it's not in small town Ontario. So to be able to work with people who are like game on let's, let's work this. Um, has just been, and I'm not like a, Oh, Julie, it's going to be okay. Kind of go away. I don't want that. <laughs> Make me work. That's what I want. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So I, I think that's a good transition. Again, your, your, all the physical, the physical abilities that you've gained, the mental resilience, uh, adaptation process. You also have gone and become a speaker. You've written two books. Uh, they're both outstanding. Um, you know, I would, I'd love to dive, dive a little bit deeper into both of them, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Three books actually, but. We okay. Well, I've only, that. I've only read two, so I have to, I have to get the third one. <laughs> well, yeah. what's the, what, so the titles tell what the titles of the three books. So there's, they're kind of in backwards order. So the first book that I published is called Build Your Space. And that is, um, it's about building an accessible home. And the process that we went through to design our wheelchair accessible home, um, there, there just wasn't any good information out there. And I did a lot of research and visited a lot of people's houses. And okay, I got to write this down. So, so I did that and I, I got it. I got it out there. In the meanwhile, I was also writing Roadmap to Recovery, um, Finding Your Way Forward After a Spinal Cord Injury. And I was writing that with um, assistance from Spinal Cord Injury Ontario, which is our provincial not-for-profit organization who helps people with spinal cord injuries, new injuries. And so we got a grant, a provincial grant, to um, publish what I had already been writing um, and so that's my second book that uh, is available for free for download from my website. Um, I, I learned so much. Like you don't know anything about a spinal cord injury unless your best friend or your brother has one, right? It, nobody really knows what it means to have a spinal cord injury until you have one. And then all of a sudden, you know nothing. And, and you're like, who are all these people? I didn't... I'm embarrassed to say this, but I didn't know what an occupational therapist did before I had a spinal cord injury. Um, the ins and outs of insurance and what it actually means to for your body to be paralyzed from the chest down. Like, it's not just not walking. Um, so, and all of the questions and Anyway, so that that's book number two. And then book number three, which just came out um, a couple of months ago, is Building Better Bathrooms. And um, like you said, I'm a speaker. Um, I spend a lot of time in bathrooms, taking pictures of bathrooms, talking about bathrooms. Uh, today, actually, I was at a recreation center and we were going through the whole recreation center and I actually had three of the uh, facilities um, staff with me. And so we had some fabulous conversations uh, about bathrooms and 
there were um, two bathrooms in the building that had been, re- it looked relatively recently renovated. And I said to the guys, so when was this bathroom renovated? And they're like, oh, not that long ago, maybe, maybe two, two and a half years. I was like, oh, okay. Has anybody caught on to the fact that those accessible stalls actually don't have any grab bars in them? <laughs> like they put up the tile, they put in the toilet paper holder, they put in the toilet. Oh, looks good. We're done. See ya. And they're like, oh, there aren't, are there? And I'm like, nope. I said, so if I had a book that would help you know exactly where to put those grab bars up, would you find that helpful? And they were like, oh, yeah, that would be great. And I said, good, because I wrote it and it's in my car and I'm going to go get it for you. So I signed it to Tony and all the staff at the recreation center and he was honored. And he said, you know, why would we not do something if we could make it better? Why would we not do that? And I said, absolutely. And I'm so uh, honored to have been able to be there and have the conversations with the people who are actually able to make the difference. Because Gustavo, that's what I have learned is the right hand does not know what the left hand is doing. And, and the right hand is the people who need accessibility and the left hand are the people who like physically put it together. They either design it or they build it or they renovate it. And they are never the same people. The people who put the grab bars on the wall or install the toilet roll um, are not the ones who need the accessibility of that feature. And the people who need it tend to not talk about it. Or if they talk about it, they're not talking about it in a way that allows people to hear what they're saying. And your approach with it's Tony, right? Today yes. was was phenomenal. I mean, what you, the way you just described that was was perfect, and his attitude was perfect too. I mean, it was just like, if we can make it better, why would we not do that? I mean, that's the million dollar question, right oh, there. Yes, exactly. And and I think that why it's not happening is okay. It is happening. I, I don't want to. I don't want to make it seem that it's not happening. But there's still lots of gaps, right? There's still lots of mistakes that get made. Um, you know, spaces that aren't big enough, or doorways that aren't wide enough, or grab bars that are installed upside down and backwards. And you just go, "What?" But it's because it's because they don't know, and it's not malicious ignorance. It's not. Well, pff, I'm just going to do whatever. It's like they, genu- they genuinely think that they are doing something that will be helpful, not knowing that it's backwards. <laughs> right? And I mean, and to see, I know your, I saw your YouTube stream a, a couple weeks ago where you were in a bathroom and you showed how you got in and out of your wheelchair and talked about the grab bar design and the emergency button and all these aspects of this bathroom that most people don't think about. And my, like, I had never seen that. Right. And I thought it was great because a, I saw how strong you were because that takes some, it takes some strength to transfer from a chair to the, to the toilet, pretty much just using, you know, your upper body. Like Mm -hmm. that was, that was a, was impressive. And B I got to see, okay, this is why you need these things here. Like it totally makes, when you see it, some people are visual learners and they see it for themselves that it just clicks and, and it all just falls into place after that. Yeah. Because when you, when you have always been able to stand to pull up your pants, you don't think of anyone doing it any differently. And these kinds of conversations don't get into the public realm, right? We already, and I talk about this in Building Better Bathrooms, we already don't talk about what happens in the bathroom when our bodies 
work normally, quote unquote, right? Um, but then you add on that layer of uh, bowel and bladder dysfunction, like I have, then you definitely don't talk about it. The only people that you do talk about it with are your therapist, if you're that close to them, or somebody else with a similar condition as you, somebody else with a spinal cord injury. And then that's all you talk about is how you manage your bowel and your bladder, right? So um, they are uncomfortable conversations. And I, I guess I have just like decided to put that hat on and I am the person that is going to make you have an uncomfortable conversation with me because I'm going to tell you why I need the grab bars on either side. And, you know, it's about pulling up pants and why, why the gap in the front of the toilet seat is so very helpful. And it's about being able to get a catheter in between my legs and my hand in between my legs because I can't stand because I can't pee. So I don't know. I, I think if I were in an, if I were like, I don't know, maybe like six years ago, me, I don't know, maybe not even. See, I used to be a biology teacher. So body stuff was never like, you don't talk about it. I was always like, oh, you know, penis, penis, penis. But I'd like to say I would be embarrassed if I knew myself now back then, but I don't think I would be because I think this is just so important that we do need to talk about it. And I guess I, I don't know, for some reason people listen and I don't, I don't always get that, but people hear me and I, I feel shy about it, but I'm also proud about it at the same time. You should be proud about it. I think it's, there's an authenticity to it and there's a, I mean, why are we, my, my thinking on that is like people, people tell me things that they don't tell other people. And sometimes coworker, coworkers will just be like, oh, you know, there goes Gus again. Like, I don't know how he does it, but they're just like spilling the beans about stuff. And, and I, my best guess is I, I can't hide right? My vulnerability. People see my disability as vulnerability and I cannot hide that. There's just no way to do it. So when they see that I'm okay with it, they want to talk about it. I openly talk about it. And then that opens them up to, to share their, their vulnerabilities that you don't always see. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that word vulnerability is really important and having those difficult conversations We've, we've learned to do it because that's part of our adaptation and, and it's super important. And, and you mentioned that too in building your space that you were having vulnerable conversations with the designers and the builders and the mm -hmm. architects. Like, I'm really curious, what did those conversations look like? Was it vulnerable for them because they were admitting they didn't know? Or was there more to it? Um, I think it was more the vulnerability on my side and then the realization on their side. Like, um, I have these fabulous little cubbies that are flip out cabinets beside the toilet that are tucked into like between the joists. So it doesn't jut out into the transfer space and I can, I can put my wipes and my gloves and my catheters and they're hidden. And so to talk to my builder and for him to come up with that design, it was just like, you get it and you heard me and it's fabulous. So it um, being, being open and vulnerable to tell them, you know, what I, what I, what I need to hide, hide just because I don't want to look at it every time I go into the bathroom. I'm sure my husband doesn't want to either. And, and yeah, you just put it out there and then they just have these little, little light bulb moments of, right. Okay. I, you know, I, I kind of wondered how your body worked, but I didn't really want to ask. So now I know, and we just move on. 
solve the next problem. Hmm. That's terrific. Do you, do you see that with, um, with most of the design, with like most of the designers and the architects and builders that you've interacted with, or is it, is it like anything with human beings that just varies by the person? I have a really easy job. Um, and the reason why I think it's really easy is because I only seem to work with people who want to know and want to make a difference. I, I don't have a company. I am me. I'm just me. Um, so I only have so many hours in a day and I only work with people who are ready to learn how to do things differently. So they're already in a place of knowing that maybe they haven't been getting it right and maybe there is something that they can learn and add to their Rolodex of tips and tricks for helping a person build their space, whether it's a commercial space or their own home or whatever. And so they're all, they've already got that door open to being willing to take in new information. And that's why, um, like speaking at the conference where, where we met, um, they're there because they want to learn. And so, so it's easy. And, and they, they then go, right, okay, I never thought of it that way. And yeah, that just seems to be the line that I get most often is I never thought of it that way. So how does, how have you been trying to impact like, so for example, commercial spaces are one mm -hmm. thing. And I know that the laws in Canada are a bit different than here, but it sounds like there's, you're meeting more and more people that want to make the difference that want to make things better. What do you typically tell somebody like when, the, when you're dealing with a, a, a private home, right? A, a single family residence, um, maybe it's new and they haven't thought about accessibility and it's like, why should I do this? You know, no, no one in my family has a disability and, you know, I don't know anybody who has a disability. So why should this, why should this matter to me? Why should I, why should I take these extra steps to do these things to make, to make my home accessible? Uh, because you just don't know what life is going to throw at you. And you think it's not going to happen to you, but it might not be you, but it'll be your parents or your siblings or your friends. And it's hard to not be able to welcome somebody into your home. Um, my best friend put, two of my best friends put ramps in to their homes before I even came home from the hospital. Wow. And, um, I was just like, oh, I want to cry, right? Because it just makes such a difference to have a visitable home. And when your home is visitable, so you have no steps to get in and you have a bathroom that someone can access. So it's on the main floor. It's big enough. The door is wide enough, right? That's a visitable home, which is like the bare minimum of accessibility, and when you, but when you have that already, then you are setting yourself up for success down the road because you don't have to rip out your steps, put in a ramp, put in a lift. The other thing is, oh, well, I want to have a front porch. And if you, you've seen the front cover of Build Your Space, that's my front porch. It's a beautiful red door with nice big windows and it's a covered porch. Like it doesn't matter that it doesn't have steps, but setting yourself up a hundred percent of people at some point in their life are going to have a disability, whether it's long-term, short-term, um, you'll, you'll just be ready. I, I have so many like irons in the fire of, of clients future clients, hopeful clients, one who wants to build like condominium style, accessible, like 
100% accessible. And I'm just like, yes, like, let's do this. And customizable too, right? Like, you know, not everybody needs the grab bar. Like I use a grab bar. Some people need it to be on an angle. Some people need it to be vertical. Um, and and then the other is, is a family who is a multi-generational family. And, you know, the mother-in-law is going to be living in the home with them. And she's right as rain and perfectly fit, but she also knows that she is going to age. And that that's another uncomfortable conversation is thinking about what might happen and, and allowing yourself to not just like stuff it back down and pretend it might not happen, but be ready for it. So one of the examples um, that I talk about in my home design is the fact that we put electrical in the ceiling of the bedroom and in the bathroom in case I need a lift right? When I'm not, when I no longer have my buff shoulders or because I, you know, I bum my shoulder and I have dislocated it or whatever is going to happen, fall out of my chair and whatever. I don't like to think about that, but you want to be in a spot where you can deal with it without having to rip the drywall down or off the ceiling or whatever, right? You want to be able to deal with it. So that was one of the, th- one of the things that we did was we put that plug in the ceiling so that it's ready to plug in a lift if I need it. Hopefully I won't. So it's just gently pushing people to think what might be. Not saying that it's going to happen, but if we are ready for it, we'll be able to deal with it in a much better headspace because we're prepared. And I mean, you can't prepare for everything by no means, but wouldn't it be better to be prepared for some things than for nothing? Absolutely. And wouldn't it be better if, you know, you don't, again, you don't know, maybe your, your son or your daughter or your new coworker, maybe, maybe they're using a wheelchair, right. Or maybe in, and, wouldn't it be great to be able to welcome that person into your home and to mm-hmm. say, yes, I am, I am thinking about the wellness of a greater variety of human beings rather than just myself or myself and two or three other people. I think that's, I think that's hugely, you know, it's, it's really important thing to do. Um, I, was talking to several friends from college recently and asking them, you know, I went to college in from 94 to 98 and it was a good school in Chicago. And, you know, I don't, none of us remember ever seeing one person using a wheelchair in college. And that's baffling to me. And, and I don't know how that person, if they, if there was one would have been able to get around on that campus at that time. I was just at my university campus like last year and it's, it's like red brick cobblestone sidewalk everywhere. And I'm like (laughs) rolling along, right. Thinking, holy cow, what on earth would my day have been like if I had been using a wheelchair back then, 92 to 96. (laughs) All the buildings are old. They all have steps. You know, the lecture halls all have steps. And life is just exhausting. And then you add the architectural inaccessibility of our built environment on top of that. And it's just like, I, I was saying to somebody recently how my work has really changed with the pandemic and not going out to speak, but instead speaking this way. It's so fun that I can speak to you all the way in Florida. Right. So I, yep. so like I've been speaking to schools and they're like three counties away. I never would have been able to speak to them then. But what it means is I can speak to like three schools in one day instead of just being able to travel, find a bathroom, 
blah, 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 right? Get in and out of the building. All of that's exhausting. And instead, I can be speaking to a group and say, can you guys hold on? Just like talk amongst yourselves for one minute. Roll 10 feet to my bathroom, use my bathroom and be back in three minutes. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not seeing faces and I miss people, but I love my house and that I can just <laughs> not have to stress about peeing because it's like, it's the first thing I think about in the morning. Where am I going today? And what bathroom am I, am I going to use? Yep. And that's um, like, no pun intended, a shitty way to go about your day. True. It's true. I, and I, I have that, especially when I travel, that practical, you know, planning it all out in your head mm -hmm. and figuring out like, okay, if this happens, how am I going to deal with it? And how much walking am I going to have to do here? And am I, you know, am I going to be able to, to get into that Uber if it's a, if it's a, if it's a van and not a car and I, I can't get up there, you know, by myself and the Uber driver is not going to help, you know, all these little practical Absolutely. things that. Yep. come into play when, when you have to be in new environments that you're not familiar with. We were just talking about travel. My husband and my kids and I, we were, you know, hopefully we're going to be able to travel again. And I want them to travel. I want like my husband just, I, I want him to take the kids and just go like go to Greece or go to, France and just leave me at home. I'm a pain in the butt. Like all this accessibility stuff is just so challenging. I just want you guys to go and have fun and see the world. And they're like, mm, yeah, but we'll figure it out. And oh, they, they are my, they are my wheels. Like, yeah, I have this wheelchair that gets me around, but they keep me going. And that's pretty cool. It is. That's, that's incredible. And I, I used to do the same thing with my brother and my friends is like, Oh yeah. You know, you guys want to go, you know, go out, go to that, go to that nightclub or go to that, go to that bar and go, you know, walking around the city. Like I'm good. I'm good here. Just let me be. And <laughs> it was, it was the same thing. It was like, Nope, come on. We'll figure it out. You know, we'll make it work. And that's, you know, you feel, you feel included, you feel like a human being, you feel like they want to be with you. And that means so much. And if we can, if we can change our environments to be more accessible and be easier to get around, and then, how much, how much, how empowering is that for so many more people? Oh, and, and, and to, you know what, that's why I do what I do, because I want everybody to be able to have this feeling of being welcome and being included that I get from my own family and everybody should have that. Everybody should be allowed to feel welcome. Not even allowed. Allowed's not the right word. I don't know. It should just be. Should just be welcome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 100%. I think that's, that's part of, you know, to be seen, to be heard, to be, to just interact with the world. It's, that's part of being human. And, and we, it's so easy for people to not think of it. And uh, that's why the work you're doing, like it matters so much. And it's so, it's so important to just build that awareness and, get people to have that little bit of empathy that, that those little light bulb moments, it's not that hard to change it. It's not, it doesn't look ugly. It's not that much more expensive. Like all those objections that they throw out there. I think those are objections of ignorance. They just don't know. And, and, and so I, like, I want to kind of go back to what you had said before about um, architects and designers and, and contractors and, my saying that it's not um, malicious ignorance and because it's not, it's, it's, it's not knowing or thinking that they know. And, and so therefore doing it that way. And because I go back to when I was a high school teacher 
I taught science in a science lab. Um, we had, you know, regular desks with chairs and then these taller lab benches that you stand at to do your regular science experiments. Um, and then I had my lab bench at the front of the room with a step up and the chalkboard behind it. And I thought I knew how to make my space accessible for the students that I taught that had disabilities. And I thought I did an okay job at it. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed, right? Like, but I didn't know that I could do better. And I guess that's where I'm at now is I, I look back at the way I was then not knowing that I could have done better or not realizing. And, and I just want people to see that they can do better and, but not in an in your face kind of way. That is not effective. I sit on committees. Um, I be, I've been in meetings and, and there's always somebody who is the negative Nelly who just wants to say, you know, what's terrible and offers no positivity or action. And it's not effective unless you come at it from the perspective of, hey, what can we do to make this better? Yep. It just doesn't work. And I just, I just want to, I want to leave or I want them to leave because it's not going to work. We're not going to work. You and I, we're not going to work here. It's, it's, <laughs> One of us has to go. <laughs> I, 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 I see that too all the time. And it's so, it's so challenging. Um, there's a, a gentleman who's written a couple of books, a former Navy SEAL, uh, pretty famous, uh, Jocko Willink. And he likes to say that when he was a SEAL, you couldn't just say this is a problem or this won't work because of X. You had to act if you were going to complain about something or say something wasn't going to work, you had to offer multiple solutions to the problem before you could present the problem. And I think if we all tried to adopt that approach in our lives more often, be so much, it's hard to do, but it would be so much better. You know, we bitch and complain just out of habit sometimes, mm -hmm. not even thinking. And, and if we could just say, okay, but what, how can we solve this? What's the problem there? How can we solve it? And, and, and let's add to that the listening piece right? The listening to truly understand what the issue is yeah. and then go into the, okay, we know this. Let's talk about ideas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause that's but something I'm I've learned too, is there is no one size fits all solution for any realm of accessibility, whether you're talking about, visual impairment or, or physical disability, like whatever. And, and spinal cord injuries alone, like my level is T4. And uh, I used to do therapy with three other women, all with T4 level spinal cord injuries. And we all functioned very differently. Hmm. And, you know, there is no such thing as a disability. They're all different and everybody's needs are different. And therefore every solution is going to be slightly different. So that working with commercial spaces, that's what makes it so challenging is because you can't, I'm, I don't like to say can't, but you really can't do one setup that is going to work for everybody. So it's finding the middle ground that works for the most number of people and then figuring out other ways of accommodating or helping somebody who that doesn't work for. Maybe it means installing toilet paper in two different locations, right? Like maybe it's as simple as that. 
Um, or we were just, you mentioned about the emergency call system. Maybe it means having two buttons, you know, one up high, one down low. I don't know. But um, yeah, there's just, there is no one answer. There's always lots of answers. It's. But I think having, having the spaces be as flexible as they can be. Right. And then you, your story is like, you took a lot of responsibility on yourself to get stronger, to work through it, to get to the point where you're at. I think some of that responsibility at least still falls on us as individuals with a disability to say, how can I problem solve my way through something where maybe it's not ideal, but there's enough here already built in where it works and it's not that it's not that difficult. So I think it I think it kind of yes, the more we can do, obviously the better. But we also have the ability to be flexible as people and to get better at things and find better ways for ourselves where we can we can also make it work. And ask too, right? Like I, I, I feel like you and I are kindred spirits in that maybe we have a little bit of a stubborn streak in us yep. Yep. and asking for help. What? <laughs> it's okay though. Uh, it is okay. And um, yeah, just being comfortable to do that. Cause Sometimes that's somebody's wanting to help and not knowing how. And yep. yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that came up, but it did. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, like you said, kindred spirits, like we, we, it came in and, and we, we try to do, yeah, I try to do too much sometimes. And, mm -hmm. and I've learned over the years that, when I need help, I'm going to ask for it. I don't have 20 years ago. That was not me. I was going to, you know, fight through it one way or another, and I wasn't going to ask and so be it. But I, I, I've learned my lesson. It, it helped. It's really good to ask for help when, when you need it. Yeah. I um, was pulling up to this hotel that I'm staying in right now and thinking, okay, I've got this, small suitcase and a cooler bag plus my purse backpack and, a, and another bag that I just had random things thrown into. Oh, am I going to get it all into the hotel? I can stack my suitcase on my lap. And then I thought, okay, then I can put the cooler on top, but I know I've been here before and it's always really windy and the wind always seems to be coming in the direction that I need to go in. So it's going to push me backwards and okay, I'll just go in. I'll check in. I'll give them my keys and say, Hey, can you bring my bags out? And I did that. And, and they brought my bags in and up to the room and I was like, Oh, and then I got my suitcase up on the bed by myself. And I'm like, yes. Okay. So I didn't do it all, but I did a big part of it and that's okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Physics physics getting the suitcase up on the bed the little things it's the little things things my my last question for you is this what did i miss in our conversation that you think is really important to talk about <laughs> is there something in it design wise or something in, you know, how you would like to see things changing a little bit faster or a little bit better, or it could be anything, or maybe there's nothing right now. Oh, well, something that I would, something that has come to the forefront of several conversations recently, it's national accessibility week here in Canada. So um, there's been a lot of talk with, um, you know, even with government level of people and something that just keeps coming up is the idea of the grandfather clause 
in in building codes and in um, you know building assessments, and we have the uh, Accessibility Act in Ontario, um, where a building doesn't have to meet current standards if it was not built in the time of those standards, right? So if it was built in 1979, then that's the code that it was built in. And if it has goofy grab bars that don't help anybody, there's no legal leg to stand on that says those grab bars have to be changed to be in a way that is more helpful to more people. And that just sucks. Like to have no oversight or, 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 you know, governing body that says, no, you really need to change this so that people can get in so that people can um, use your space and, and use the bathroom or access your services. Oh no, we don't, we don't need a ramp. We don't have people like that in our store. Gee, well, I wonder why you don't because they can't get in. And, and so when we allow for the grandfather clause kind of thing to exist in our legislations, you're still leaving out, you know, 20 to 50% of the population. And as a government, I don't think that's cool. We have that here too with the ADA. Um, I agree with you. Um, that's the solution. I don't know what the, I don't know what the, I don't answer, know what the answer is. <laughs> <laughs> I just know I don't like it. <laughs> there's an, there's gotta be, I mean, look, technology is getting better. Construction techniques, you know, again, like, most people think it's so expensive to make something accessible. It's really not anymore for the most part. If you're having to tear down a whole building, okay, so mm-hmm. maybe you get maybe the government sets up some 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 grants or some funds to to help with that process. Maybe in that remodeling process, they can reinvent their space to bring more people in there and get their money back later. Like there's there's always there's always a spin. There's always an angle. There's always, always. a solution. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a, there's a boatload of no cost, low cost solutions that you can start with. Yeah. Right. It might, you know, you don't jump to installing an elevator. That's, that's not your first thing. Um, let's look at what else we can find that will serve more people. Yep. And, and, you know, allow them to gain whatever access information related to whatever it is that you do. And that's the place to start, right? We, we've, we've started this conversation, you and I, about what are the three things that you hear most often. And it's, what do I need to do? How much is it going to cost me? Is always the second question. Um, and how much space is it going to take up? And um, all those kinds of things. But I think it really is just the, the question is that people should be asking themselves is what do I not know? And how can I figure that out? But what am I not doing that I could be doing in my home for my future self, my future family, or in my business or in my municipality? What am I not doing that I could be doing? Because it probably is a, is a good list of things that aren't going to cost hardly anything to get started. Yep. Just and there was, start thinking about it. Yeah. And I would encourage, I mean, again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not an expert yet in this space uh, the way you are, but I've been looking at it more critically in the last, you know, six months to a year. And I ask myself when I look at it, when we work in custom homes, right. With, with my business and I see it and I was like, 
why did this person decide that steps were a good idea here? <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't add to the design. It elevates a space for no apparent reason. Like what is the purpose? They're just there to be there because you didn't know what else to do. Like mm-hmm. why are they, why are these things here? So I think more, more intentionality and more thoughtfulness in why we're doing a design or making a building a certain way would also help. Do you think that's, do you think that's right? Absolutely. And like from a new build design perspective, there is no excuse for any of the space being inaccessible and being ugly, right? Like that, that is, oh, accessibility is ugly. It's institutional. It's going to look like a hospital room. Mm-mm. Not so. Not unless you decide to make it that way. But you don't. And my favorite compliment of my own home is um, from a, a guy who works down the road. Um, coming to see my accessible kitchen because they were going to do a little bit of a renovation in an older part of a building to make an accessible kitchenette for the staff. And so he came to see my house and he said to me, you know, Julie, if I didn't know that you used a wheelchair, I would not know that this is an accessible home. That's amazing. And I was like, yes, (laughs) that's exactly, it's beautiful. Like number one, it's beautiful. Oh yeah, it happens to be accessible. Win, win. Win, yep. And it's the movement is coming. You know, I can see the momentum. I saw it at the Livable Conference. (laughs) And, you know, what I would also say to to the construction industry is you can get in front of it now and become the experts. Yes. Or you can can fall behind very, very soon because it's here and it's coming. And... They can get in front of it, do it right the first time and not have to go back to rip out the drywall because the backing wasn't done properly or whatever, take out the steps that they installed, right? Like nobody has, nobody in the construction industry has time to go back and fix mistakes, right? Like you guys are working, whatever, nose to the ground all the time. Do it right the first time. Yep. Absolutely. 100%. Well, this was, uh, you're, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Where, where can I, I look forward to doing this again. I look forward to collaborating with you on so many things moving forward, but where can people learn more about you? You know, what's your YouTube channel? What's your social media? What's your website? You know, give us everything. Okay, so um, my YouTube channel is Julie Sawchuk. And so just make sure you spell Sawchuk right. S-A-W-C-H-U-K. Because people always want to throw in an extra C and it just doesn't belong. So I'm Julie Sawchuk on YouTube. I am, um, my website is juliesawchuk.ca. So that's .ca because I'm up here in Canada. And um, my, I don't know, my Instagram is like, Sawsome Julie. My license plate is Sawsome. Um, so, anyways, I'm Sawsome Julie on Instagram. And uh, Sawchuck Accessible Solutions is the name of my business. And that's my Facebook. I, I kind of really should just put it all together and make it one thing. But basically, Julie Sawchuck is where you find me. Just put that in and you'll find something. And if they go to your website, they can book a time for you to speak. And yes, absolutely. Find my books there as well. Um, I've got, uh, printed in Canada versions of both of those build your space and building better bathrooms in my home waiting for me to send to you, but you can also find them on Amazon. Um, yeah, book a time to book a call with me, book a time for me to speak to your organization next week. I'm speaking to Dyson, like the vacuum company, Dyson. Oh, awesome. So pumped. We're talking about. Um, accessible bathrooms and their hand dryers. Interesting. Yes. And I'm going to be talking to them and working with them on their next design for accessible hand dryers, like the combo tap 
soap hand dryer thing all in the sink in one space. I've never actually used one where they're all in one space. So I'm, I'm just excited to dive into that. It's going to be great. Yeah. So fun things, fun new things always being thrown at me. People wanting to like, oh, so let's talk about this. Okay. Yesterday, a guy called me up. Let's talk about bathrooms on airplanes. I'm like, yes, let's talk about bathrooms on airplanes. Yes. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about airplanes too. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah I, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That that would be great to see. I mean, I don't think bathrooms on airplanes are are good for anybody. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> uh, Gustavo, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun, and I'm so glad you connected with me. And we have made this happen. I great. You're very welcome. Thank you. It's and we been are going to talk again for sure. Absolutely.